good to be carrying on the series of... We're looking at Romans 12 tonight. We're going to look through the whole chapter. But you see, Romans 12 starts with a very interesting word. It says, therefore. And I was always taught something simple. that Whenever you see the word therefore, you've got to ask, what's it there for? Yeah? So, what, so why is therefore there? It's to tell you that because of everything that's preceded, this is what is going to happen. And the journey we've been looking so far through Romans is very much inward looking. It's very much looking at um, the heart. It's very reflective, looking at who we are and who we're meant to be in God. It's reminding us that it's not about us. It's not about anything we have or anything we haven't done. And that's a good thing. You know what? It's all about God's grace and it's all about God's mercy. It's all about God choosing to show himself. See, God's, God originally wanted to display how good he was through the people of Israel, the Israelites. That's when he told Abraham that, you know what, I'm going to you know, make you a father of many nations. I'm going to make you so you, know, you, you will bless all the people of earth. So all of his descendants had that same promise, but they chose to walk away from that promise. And they kept turning their back on God time and time and time again. And then whenever Jesus came along, the prophesied Messiah, Jesus came along and they even rejected him. They set him to death on Calvary, as we've just been remembering. They rejected Jesus. And you see, thankfully, God's ways aren't our ways. And his thoughts aren't our thoughts. His way is above all of that. Because it says, the last verse in chapter 11 reminds us, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. We give glory to God because of everything he's done. I'm sure if we all started counting up the blessings in our life, you know what? God would blow our minds. Literally, if we could even count how blessed we are. So in view of everything that we've learned from Romans so far, he declares, therefore, from Romans 12, chapter 1, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is the response that we're meant to have in knowing God's mercy. Whenever you don't get what you deserve, you should be overwhelmed by what God's done. Because I don't know about you, but do we really deserve God's love? Have we done anything just or anything worthy of receiving God's love? The answer is no. If anything, we deserve death. We deserve to be abandoned by God and just abandoned to a life of sin. We deserve that because we have let God down. Time and time again, and even the Apostle Paul references this when he says, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do do. That's what we've already looked at, and that's what we're remembering here through this verse. You know what, we've disobeyed even the simplest commandment. Whenever Jesus was asked what's the most important commandment, it's love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And even we can't do that right. And then what's the second? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I'm sure there's plenty of times when we've not loved our neighbor the way we should, whoever our neighbor is. 
even if they're not an Albion supporter, Calvin. But that's the truth. We don't love people the way we're meant to. So whenever we look at this and then we say, like, you've received God's mercy, so therefore, and whenever you get a revelation of this, you know what, you should, you should just want to give more and more to God. So in view of this mercy we receive and him not giving us what we deserve, we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. We are meant to give ourselves to God. We are meant to go, God, come and have your way in us. We are meant to not only be sacrifices, but be living sacrifices. So we're meant to live every day for God, and we're meant to live in a way he wants us to, which sometimes means going against the grain of culture. Sometimes it means even going against the way that we want to go, because there's plenty of stuff that we want to do as humans. There's plenty of stuff that we have have done for so many years, and we've allowed to become part of us. There's so many thoughts that we think about ourselves which are untrue. And this is where we need to remember to come to God as a living sacrifice and listen to what he has to say. Listen to what he has to do in our lives. We are to present ourselves to God as a sacrifice, as a living sacrifice. And we are to live the way God intended. Our lives are to be an example of what God can do through someone like you, someone like me. That's what our lives are meant to be. We give our lives to God and he blesses us and he blows our minds by how much he loves us and how much he transforms our lives. See, living sacrifices do cause a problem because usually in the Old Testament, they would kill the sacrifice and they would put it on the altar they cut it up into pieces, prepare it, and put it in the altar. We, however, are living sacrifices. So the problem is that the altar, which basically is the way we live our lives, we can actually choose to live our lives differently. We can choose to come off of the way God intended, the place God intended us to be, and we can remove ourselves from that and go a different direction. That's a big problem that we have as living sacrifices. You can choose to say no. And you have even looked at this in previous weeks. You can choose to say no to God. You can say no to his presence. You can say no to his power working in your life and through your life. You can choose to say no. The verse in Revelation reminds us, uh, Jesus says, I stand, at, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody opens it, I'll come in and eat with them and they with me. Do you open your heart to what Jesus wants to say and what Jesus wants to do? That's what we all need to be aware of. You see, every day we choose to either honor God's plan or to make a plan of our own. One or the other. Every day you've got the choice to make. Are you going to honor what God wants or honor what you want? Now, sometimes they can be in line. Don't get me wrong. A lot of the times they can be in line, especially the closer we get to God, the more our, our hearts desire what he desires. So therefore you desire the same things, and that's a good thing. But we've got to be careful that we always come back to God's plan, even if it's against our plan. If it's against what we wanted to do, and I guess what we want to do. And it says this is our true and proper worship. So the true way we properly worship God is to stay in the middle of what he wants us to do. That's the true way that we worship God. You see, God wants our hearts to be in line with his more than our actions in line with what people expect of us. Your heart is meant to be in line with what God wants, not your actions. To properly worship God, you see, our hearts have to be connected to him. 
And in the Old Testament, they kept, bringing it, they kept saying that. They, and they basically said, look, you can offer these sacrifices to God, but God prefers obedience over sacrifices. So if you know something is God's plan and God's will, if you know something is what God wants you to do, you should be doing that and not doing all the stuff that everybody else thinks you should be doing. Because our culture puts us in these boxes. It puts expectations on us. Whenever we are either the way we were or the way we are, the way we choose to be, it, the culture comes up with this. This is what you should be like. So whenever you're not like that, they're like, why aren't you like that? Why don't you do that? So whenever we are countercultural by following God's instructions, we actually stand out. And that's what will cause us to actually stand out. That, that's what will give our lives testimony. And it's a response to being connected to God that then we choose to do what it says in verse 2. In verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't just look like anybody else. Don't just do things the way other people do things. I remember once I wanted to connect with God. I really felt I was going through a desert period. And I think I maybe even have told you this story before. But I was, I was going, God, I just really want to hear from you. And my mate, the guy I was living with at the time, um, Andy, he was like, oh, whenever I really want to connect with God, I go up the hills, uh, I go up the mountains, I grab a tent and some um, food, and I go up the mountains and just spend you know, 24 hours with God up the mountain. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So I packed up my bag, you know, and I told my mum and dad and all where I was going, just so, you know, because that's what you're meant to do. If you're going up the mountains, you tell people your plan, you know, so they can at least know where to look for you if you don't come back. You know, so, um, yeah, that's the mountain rescuer and my dad that he ingrained into me. So I told them what I was doing, I told them, and that was fine. So I went up and I went, I went after God as far as I was concerned. I was going, right, I'm going to chase God. So started going up the valley, um, and uh, it was you know, starting to get darkish. So I thought, oh, let's set up camp here. You know, I'm, I'm three quarters of the way up the valley. There's nobody around. So I tried to set up the, the thing and I broke my tent. I broke a pole in my tent. And I'm like, oh my word, I'm not going to be able to do this. It's just not sheltered enough. So I packed up, um, you know, packed up everything again and carried on up the valley a little bit further, found a more sheltered space. and started setting up my tent. And in the middle of setting up my tent, you know, God just hit me like a ton of bricks and says, Why, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And I'm like, I'm here to connect with you. And he goes, but this isn't the way you connect with God. This is the way Andy connects with God. So why are you here? And God just reminded me that we've got to connect with God the way that works for us, the way that we connect with God. And that's, why, that's the beauty of us. We're all different. We all connect with God in different ways. And I tried to do it the way Andy did. And God basically just said, look, just turn around and go home. So I did. And you know what? I actually had a really good time with God on the way back down the hill, you know, rather than the overnight that I was going to have up the hill. And it's amazing how God used that to teach me that I've got to come to God in ways that I know and ways that I know work for me. So you've got to find out them ways for you. How are you going to connect with God? You see, this world, no matter what culture that we are in, it all, it all has patterns. It all has different things. And we can't just fit into the pattern of our world. We just can't assume that the way they're living out in the world is going to honor God. You can't assume that. You can never assume that any culture is living 
honoring God, but we have to, in fear and trembling, work out how we're meant to live. See, some of it might even look good, but is it godly? So we need to be careful, not just to do good things, but to do the godly things with our life. We need to do everything, no matter how big or small, with God's pattern imprinted on it, with God's ways and God's themes behind it. See, by knowing who God is and by being in his presence, by living our life on the altar, which is in the presence of God, that's how we actually give our lives to God. That's how we actually learn what God is like. And then that's where we glean our understanding and then go and live out the way we're meant to. So when is the last time you allowed yourself to be renewed by God's presence? When's the last time you renewed, in essence, the wallpaper of your mind? When's the last time you give yourself a spring clean and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? And why do I do the things the way I do the things I do? When's the last time you honestly ask those questions about everything you do in life? We need to constantly come back to that moment and that point of, God, am I doing this to honor you? And am I doing this to serve you? We have to weigh and test every situation and every opportunity to see if God approves it. Therefore, if we know what God's will is, we'll walk into it. We'll walk into the midst of it. And if we don't know what it is, then God will make it clear and he'll remove it from our lives. Because if we're in a place where our hands are open to God saying, God, you know, what do you want me to do? God will place things in our hands and he'll remove things from our hands. But if we're holding tight to the way that we've always done our life, to the structure that we like, to the comfort of the of the place and the way that we live our lives, God has no room to move. There's no dynamic in your life. If you're holding tight to the things that you set in place, it doesn't mean that they're not godly, don't get me wrong, but is it what God wants you to do at this moment in time? This is where we need to be open. We are meant to be a people of faith that walk in faith. And if you're doing the same things every single day, are you walking in faith? I'm not saying you're not. It's a challenge. It's, a, it's what we're meant to wrestle with. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be in the center of God's plan for my life. I want to be in the center, and I want to be at the right place at the right time so I can just share God's love. See, to do that, we need to know what his plan is. And we need to know what his good, pleasing, and perfect plan is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's our mission, is to seek that out. So with open hands and open hearts, we seek it, and we allow him to renew our minds. We allow him to reinvigorate us. And then that keeps our faith fresh. See, we let God open the doors he chooses to open, and we let him close the doors he wanted us to close. Jesus said he only does what he sees the Father doing. That's what Jesus said about his life and the way he lived his life. So are we asking, God, what are you doing? And how can I get on board with what you're doing? Have you asked that of God recently? So at the right time, after spending the right time with God and choosing to do the right things, God uses us in ways that we never dream or we never imagine that he could use us. See, everything should flow out of us as a response to what God has done in us. Everything you do should be a response of what God has done inside of your heart and inside of your life. 
Because verse 3 carries on. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with a sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace, God, the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. See, we humbly come to God with all that we have, warts and all, as the saying goes. You come with God, warts and all, and we think about ourselves soberly and honestly and just sort of go, God, this is who I am. Use me. We don't be beheaded about the successes we have because God does give us successes. Oh, I remember the time this happened. I remember the time that happened. I remember, and you know what? You can look back, and sometimes church can become nostalgic. It can become about the time that, um, you know, something did happen instead of what God's doing right now. And we're not meant to be about that. It would be like a bakery saying, do you remember the bread we baked 20 years ago? Wasn't it awesome? But yet the bakery doesn't have any bread right now. And in the same way, that's what we need to, you know, we don't, we don't well, we remember and honor the past, but we don't live in the past. We live in the present. We live to honor the present. So we need to be seeking after God's presence in the present and living in God's presence. That's why he says, think about yourself with sober judgment. So are we where we're meant to be? Are we rooted where we're meant to be rooted? Have we unrooted the stuff that we're not meant to have in our lives? Or are we happy just being content with the, some of the mediocreness which we settle into? Because we all sometimes settle for mediocre in our lives of just getting by. Because sometimes it's comfortable just getting by but we're not meant to just get by. We're meant to live a life to the full. See, it's all about God and it's all about what he does through us. It's not about you personally because we're all one body. So the truth is, if, if one of you is hurting, the whole body's hurting. We're all hurting because we're all meant to be one body in Christ. See, God will use the talents and gifts that he's given you. So if you're choosing not to use the gifts and talents God's given you, you're actually taking away from the body of God. You're taking away from the blessing that God wants to pour out if you're not using the gifts you have. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. If you're not using the gifts God's given you and you're just either keeping them for yourself or just neglecting them, as we, as we were discussing this morning, a parable of the talents, the person that didn't use it, they hid it away because they were worried about losing it. They actually got it removed from them. We've got to do everything with the right motives because we want to honor God. And the right thing at the right time with God's power flowing through it can transform the world. We've got to be open to him reviving us and then living our lives in true and proper worship. 
God has given you the gifts, so will you use them for God? God has given you the gifts he's given you. Do you use them and do you honor God with the gifts that he has given you? Because we were made to declare the glory of God. Whenever Jesus was coming into Jerusalem and the triumph, and people were saying, can you not tell your disciples to be quiet? Can you not tell these people to be quiet? Why are they making so much noise? And what did Jesus say? If they weren't going to shout, the stones themselves would declare who I am. The creation itself, actually, it's all designed to give God glory. You are designed to give God glory. So are you giving God the glory in your life? The next verses that we read are all actually about um, how we live our lives. And they're all full of practical solutions. So I want you to, I'm just going to read through the rest of the chapter. And then I want you to actually this week, as you go and think about that, can you just read this chapter every day and allow it to sink in to your life? That these are the way, this is the way I'm meant to live my life. Verse 9, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, my, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't know about you, but that would be a pretty good way to live our lives. If we were able to do all of that for the rest of our lives, I don't know about you, but I think we could transform this community. I think we could. If we could just follow them simple 12 verses, I think the world would be transformed as we know it. See, this is the code that we're meant to live by. We're meant to live a different way because most people in the world wouldn't do most of the things in them verses. Because is it logical to love your enemies? No. Is it logical to live at peace with everyone as much as it relies on you? No, because usually people want their own way. People want things the way they want them. You see, actually, we're meant to love each other. We're meant to be sincere about it. Because there's one thing to say you love someone, but you really know that you love someone by how you actually respond when something happens. If you actually care about it in those moments. 
There's nothing worse than fakeness in this world. And we're not meant to be fake with people, but we're meant to show them the reality of love. We say what we mean, and we mean what we say. Very simply, if you say I love you to someone, you show them you love them by how you treat them, how you react with them, how you live in community with them. We don't curse people that curse us. Because at the end of the day, as a Christian, if you declare that you're going to follow God, you're going to have people come against you. You'll have people taunt you and tease you. And the, the automatic thing is to, you want to respond and retaliate. But that's not what God says to do. He says, bless them. So if your enemy is hungry, you give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. And they don't understand it. So I encourage you to read this chapter every day this week. Allow it to seek in, seep into your lives. Allow it to soak into you. Read Romans 12. I can't encourage you any more than that. And that's how we renew our minds. We allow God's truths to seep into our hearts and minds so it becomes our truth. And then whenever we believe it and apply it, it transforms everything. I'm just going to read the first couple of verses again, but I'm going to read it from a different translation. It's the message translation. And it says very simply that this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you. Develop well-formed maturity in you. That's what God wants to do with us. He wants to develop us into real disciples that actually journey daily with him. And as you honor God with your life, you'll transform without even realizing it. And that's the beauty of what God does with a life devoted to him. So tonight, whether for the first time or for the hundredth time, I want to encourage you, give your life back to God. Say, thank you for what you've done for me. Give it to him and allow him to blow our minds by living in the culture that we live in, the way he intended us to live, not the way the culture wants us to live. And that's the beauty of what we do. Let's just pray together. God, thank you that we aren't designed to just fit in. We are designed to stand out. We are designed to declare with our hearts and live with our lives a different way than the world around us. God, we want to honor you with every part of our lives, not just a little bit, but every single part of our lives. So God, may the way we live and may what we do and what we say declare who you are and declare how amazing you are. God, we give our lives to you again and we say, come and have your way. God, we repent, we say sorry, and we turn around our lives to follow your path. 
we follow the plans that you have for us, not the plans that we've made for ourselves. Because God, we know how often they fail. But God, your love never fails. So God, we cling to that truth that your love will never fail. It will never give up. It will never run away on us. But you are faithful. You are true. You are just. And God, your grace and your mercy extends over us that we can never escape it no matter how hard we try. So God, thank you so much for your love. And God, we give our lives to you again. In Jesus' name, amen.